The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. And don't look now, but the seemingly lifeless Royals, as of two weeks ago, have now won 8 of 10, including their fourth straight series victory as Casey rides on the back of Danny Duffy once again and four solo home runs to take down the boys from the Motor City 6-1. to one. And what does that mean for the Royals as far as playoff scenarios and where they're at? We'll discuss that in a bit. A few tweets at Royals Clubhouse, and I will get to them. It's Dave Glad you are along for another edition of Your Dish on Clubhouse Conversation, where we get right to your player of the game, and it obviously has to be Danny Duffy. Danny Duffy just keeps rolling. Now 10-1 and on the season with a league-leading 2.73 ERA as he continues his quest to become the first Royals lefty to have an ERA under three for a season out of that rotation since Charlie Liebrandt way back in the day. Duffy, 103 pitches tonight, 66 strikes. And you know what's so impressive about this game is Duffy's line, if you look at it, is sexy, right? I mean, it's not super sexy because there was just five Ks and seven and two-thirds, and five Ks and seven and two-thirds is not a good strikeout night for Danny Duffy, but he allows just one run on three hits and walks two. But the most impressive thing about this game to me was that it felt like Duffy was very average, and that is such a good sign, right? I mean, a guy who has taken so many steps forward that he goes out there, gives you seven and two-thirds innings, gives up a single run, And you feel like he had average stuff tonight. That's how good Danny Duffy has become. And do you disagree with me on that? I mean, don't you feel like he was very average? You know, I'm not saying he had bad stuff tonight. He certainly did not have bad stuff. But he didn't have the dominant stuff we've seen in recent weeks. And he's still able to go out there and go almost eight innings. In fact, he could have easily gone eight innings had Ned Yost left him in there. But no need to at 103 pitches. And the Royals up with that lead. You don't want to, you know, five to one. You don't want to. You know, let him go too far and give up more runs. And a nice job by Joaquin Soria coming in to get the strikeout of Ian Kinsler to get the Royals and Danny Duffy out of that eighth inning. And yes, it's a patchwork Tigers offense. I get that. No Miguel Cabrera tonight. No Cameron Maben. No Nick Castellanos. No Jose Iglesias. That's why the Tigers went and got Eric Ibar before the game. Not sure how big of a difference that'll make. But in the meantime, until Iglesias comes back, But it doesn't matter because it's still a major league lineup, and there's still some damn good hitters in that lineup. Ian Kinsler, Victor Martinez, J.D. Martinez. You know, there's some nice hitters in that lineup for Detroit, certainly. And I thought that Danny Duffy and even to a degree Justin Verlander were squeezed a bit by Dale Scott, the home plate umpire, who I am never a big fan of when he umpires games. Not only is the strike zone tiny, but the ball is almost back to the pitcher's glove before you get the call. It's so annoying. Like, you're just intentionally putting the focus on you, aren't you? If you're waiting, if you're making people wait a second, a full 1-1,000. The ball hit, here, let's reenact Dale, Dale's strike zone, right? Dale Scott's. Ball hits the glove, right? Bam. Strike. That's a full 1-1,000. Hits the glove, bam. 1-1,000. And he starts making his move. It's probably even longer than a 1-1,000. So, obviously, you're trying to make everyone watch you and be the center of attention. It's really stupid. Anyway, whatever. Back on track. 
So Danny Duffy, just a nice job. And to me, it's one of his more impressive starts. It's not. Obviously, the one in Tampa is the most. And there's a couple others, including the shutout last time out. I'm not saying it from a stuff or line perspective that it's his most impressive start, one of them. I'm saying for the fact that he had very average stuff for him and a home plate umpire that didn't give him much of a zone, he's still able to go out there and essentially shut the door completely on a what's still probably an average Major League lineup. Without those guys in there, you know, with Miggy and Castellanos and Maben, that's a well above average offense. That's a very good offense. Without those guys, it's still probably close to a league average, if not a league average offense. So, you know, that's why I was so impressed by Duffy. He goes out there with what I deem average stuff and is able to go that deep. Nice job, like I said, by Soria. Then Peter Moylan comes in and has been very impressive recently. One, two, three, ninth inning and a K on just six pitches. Before we get to offense and the home runs, got to give a big shout-out to a guy that we talked about extensively a couple nights ago, and that's Paulo Orlando. His defensive play in that first inning, taking away a double or a triple from Casey McGee. You see Chesler Cuthbert continuing to make sterling defensive plays at third base, and I went from being certain that Mike Moustakis was slightly better defensively to now thinking they might be a wash. I mean, Cuthbert's that impressive. And the biggest turnaround for a defensive player I have ever seen from the time he was at AA to the time he's now in the major leagues. I've talked about that extensively. I can't believe the night and day difference in defense for Chesler Cuthbert. And what a feather in the cap that is to his work ethic and to the Royals coaching staff. But mainly his work ethic to go out there and take all those extra grounders and continue to get better, take off a little weight, work on his lateral quickness. It's really impressive seeing Chesler Cuthbert out there. And what a nice surprise. Him and Paulo and Duffy and, and recently Ventura, who we'll talk about coming up in a little bit. So offensively, four solo home runs for the Royals tonight. Number one, congratulations to Raul Mondesi Jr., Going deep for his first major league shot off of Verlander. Curls it inside that right field foul pole. Alex Gordon, number nine. As Gordo continues to swing a bat that looks a lot more like Alex Gordon. Over the majority of the second half of the season. And that's good to see going into years two, three, and four of the deal. But especially, you know, the stretch drive here. Eric Hosmer, just his third home run since July 5th. It's number 16. Good to see that. And then Kendry's first pitch. Bam! He sees in the ninth inning. Number 20, the frosting on the cake for this one. As the Royals get four solo home runs. Only one player got on base twice. Mr. Mondesi got Casey's only walk to go along with his home run. And the Royals did a pretty nice job. There were five runs total against Verlander. Three of them were earned. And seven plus innings. Four hits, all home runs, six Ks and a walk by Mondesi for the Royals. So a nice win. And before we get to previewing the finale, a couple of tweets have come in at Royals Clubhouse. Davo, do you think the Royals are in the playoff hunt? Short answer, no. I don't think the Royals are probably in the playoff hunt. But, 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 we've obviously seen this core group of guys come back from a lot bigger Long shots than this. Twice in eight innings, to be exact. And you, of course, know the two games I'm talking about. Wild card, Houston Astros in the postseason. And we've seen this team you know, rattle off 16 of 20 back in 2014 when Dayton Moore was mocked for that comment that he thinks they could go 15 and 5. And they one-up him right after that. He says that and goes 16 and 4. Now, as I've detailed here in the past, recently, recent past, this is a different bunch of guys than those teams a couple of years ago. You know, there's no Moustakis out there. Guys have been banged up. Kane's been out. We don't know if he's 100% right now. Gordon has been struggling until recently. You know, Perez has, has cooled down a bit in recent weeks. Escobar maybe not having quite as good of a season. 
You don't have shields to steady the innings, and you don't have quite the dominant bullpen without Hochaver, Holland, you know, out there in the in the back of that bullpen. Or Davis, obviously. With that said, the Royals are not if you want to look at it mathematically from a what do they have to do to jump to get into the playoffs? But Cleveland, you know, Cleveland's double digits, 11, depending on what happens tonight, 11 games ahead of the Royals. The Royals probably ain't going to catch Cleveland, but in a way, there's probably a better chance of the Royals catching Cleveland than there is in the Royals getting a wild card. The Royals are now four games behind Detroit, who's one of the teams ahead of them for the wild card. Here's the deal. There are six teams in front of the Royals for the wild card, and the deficit is seven and a half pending games tonight as we're recording this. But the Royals now at 59 and 60. So the Royals can get back to 500 tomorrow, which they'd have to do, and they essentially have to sweep the Twins then for four games. You win the next five games, we can talk a little bit more about this. The Royals, it's so – I mean, we're at August 16th, guys. You know, there are less than 45 games left. There's 42 games. The margin for error is none now. I've been saying that back since the Atlanta series at home when I was ridiculed and kind of made fun of. And I said, I know literally it's not a must-sweep series, but it feels like the Royals, if they're going to be contenders, must sweep the series against the Braves. They didn't. And that's a very arbitrary game and series to to look back at right now. I get that. But I was making a statement at the time that, yes, it was still June at the point. But, you know, late June. But you you can tell. If a team's going to contend, they can't have long stretches like the Royals have had this year. And so while the Royals have won 8 of 10 right now, the problem is there's still a game under 500. And we only have 42 games to go. Recent history, yes, there's years where the wild card gets in with 88 wins. 87. I think it was an 86 one year as well. That's not going to happen this year because one of the wild cards is for sure coming out of that strong AL East. Probably both of them will. Good chance. If not for sure, the West. You get Houston, of course, battling it in the West. You've got the red hot Mariners, who are the other team as hot as the Royals. And then you've got all those teams jumbled up in the East. And then you have Detroit. So the Royals have six teams to jump right now. And a few of them they can. I mean, obviously they control their own destiny against Detroit. They can, and they there's a decent chance they will jump the Tigers. I'm not saying the Royals can't jump a few of these teams, and I'm not saying the Royals can't finish over 500 and have at least a salvage in a way of this season. But if if you want to look at things realistically, and let me give you some hard numbers, if the Royals really want to guarantee they're going to make the playoffs, they have to go 32 and 10. That would put them at 91 wins. 91 wins will guarantee you're in the playoffs this year, right? So 32 and 10 guarantees that. So when I say they have to win the next five games, you have to win the next five games because you've got some tough series coming up, including next weekend in Boston. We'll all be out there, by the way. You know, you you don't want to have to go into that series and sweep it, but you probably would have to anyways if you're thinking about the wild card. Boston's one of the teams in front of you for the wild card. Your last chance to face them head-to-head, and with only 42 games left, by then it'll be like 35, 33 games left. I mean, you're facing must-sweep series you know, you can't lose to the Twins the rest of the season, basically, or the Tigers. <laughs> you basically have to sweep out the Twins and Tigers and White Sox the rest of the season and then win the series, you know, two out of three against the rest of your series to make the playoffs. So can the Royals technically make the playoffs? Yes. And are there some small signs that say they have the run on them? Well, yeah, because they're in, they're in the middle of that run right now. They've won eight of ten, but the problem is they're still a game under five hundred. After winning 8 of 10, they're still 7.5 out of a wild card and double digits out of the division. Now, if this was July 16th, the Royals are right in this, of course, right? But it's August 16th, and this is why series like the Braves series and you know other series we've seen the last six weeks, even before that, that's why those games mattered so much. 
because that puts you in the hole that you're in. The Royals are still in, in a hole. The Royals aren't going to be out of this hole until they're five games over 500. Well, by the time that happens, it's going to be September if it happens. So I think the Royals 32 and 10 if they want to guarantee the playoffs at 91 wins. And I think if you want to go worst case, not worst case, yeah, worst case scenario, that you get to 88 wins. I think 88 wins this year is the very lowest you're going to be able to get in the playoffs. I doubt 88 wins is going to do it. But even that, the Royals would have to go 29 and 13. So let's just split the difference and say the Royals, instead of saying 29 and 13 or 32 and 10, let's say the Royals have to go 31 and 12. No, it's not even right. 31 and, wait, 30, wait, the, I'm bad at math here. 42, 31 and 11. There we go. <laughs> Sorry. So let's say the Royals have to go 31 and 11 to get to 90 wins. So, uh, you know, think of it that way. Don't even look at the other teams that they have to jump. Just look at it realistically. It's going to take 90 wins to make the playoffs. Whether you catch Cleveland, the 90 is probably not going to do that with Cleveland having all those home games. Cleveland's probably going to win close to 95 games. So 90 is probably going to get you a decent chance at a wild card. Could even be one of those things where 90, I think 90 is probably the number that it ends up being the second wild card. That's why I'm saying I think 91 gets you in. But 90 could be one of those things where you end up having to play a play-in game to get to the play-in game, right? But of course, the Royals would take that at this point. But to get there, you got to go 31 and 11. So you do the math. If you only have 11 losses left, you damn well better win these next five against teams in your own division and teams that you should be better than. Now let's look at the matchup in the finale. It's your Donald Ventura, Anibal Sanchez. Ventura has been filthy in August. 2.89 ERA in August. Impressive outing he comes off of at Minnesota. He gave up three runs in seven innings. I love the strikeouts. Especially the strikeout-to-walk ratio, 9-1. to one. 9K is one walk in that game. Ventura has been much better. Has he turned a corner? There are certainly some signs to say he has. And when we get back to can the Royals rattle off and go 32-11, and 11, the only way they're going to do it, obviously, is if the starting pitching continues to be as good as it's been with Kennedy giving you, his ERA is down to what, 3.78, I think I read this morning. Is that what it was at? 3.76, 3.79, right in there. I mean, if, if Kennedy continues to give you seven innings, two runs, if Duffy continues to give you seven or eight innings, two runs, if Ventura can give you seven innings, three runs, and if Volquez can just be decent, six innings, three runs, and get five innings, three or four runs out of that number five spot, you need two or three runs per game allowed, and you need six-plus innings out of everybody except for your bullpen, or out of your number five starter. And it could be that Mike Miner makes the next start, by the way, too, for the Royals. Had a nice outing for Omaha. We also saw Jason Vargas is beginning his rehab for the Northwest Arkansas Naturals, a guy that could be called up in September, which kind of surprised me because I'm not sure how, if he voids his insurance policy, if he plays, or I don't know, maybe it's prorated by how much he plays. So who knows? Nobody has a real answer on that. But I'm slightly surprised to see Vargas even attempting to come back at this point in the season. Now, getting so so yeah. Long story short, yeah. While the math says it's possible, the only way that would possibly happen is if basically Kennedy, Ventura, Duffy have to win every time they take the ball, essentially, right? What do you have? Twenty-one games probably left with those three, twenty-three or twenty-four. They've got to win like eighteen and five or something like that, right? You you basically have to, and then you got to have the Volquez and number five starter be 500 or better as far as teams winning their games when they pitch those nights. So, I mean, it's just not feasible, guys, but you never know, right? Let's just keep winning games. Let's just keep winning every day and get greedy and see where things end up. Now, versus Ventura, who's been good, Miguel Cabrera, who may or may not play, is a 313 hitter in 16 at-bats. J.D. Martinez, 385. 
Victor is just 227. Victor, comma, Martinez, that is, but does have two home runs in 22 ABs. The Royals taking down Anibal Sanchez. He's been a gas can for a good majority of the year. Had been pretty good before his last start, his last couple before that. Is 6 and 12, a 6 3 1, but did you know give up a career high four home runs, just like tonight. You know, Royals get four home runs tonight. He gave up four his last time out at Texas, which is a band box, especially with the humidity this time of year. It went just four innings his last time out, eight runs overall by Sanchez. Royals have struggled against him individually. Uh, Kane, not bad, 292 with a home run. Hosmer, 294 a home run. Kane's in 24 at bats. Hosmer's in 34. And that's about it. Gerard Dyson not going to play tomorrow. 115 in 26 at bats. So I do like the Royals to get the job done tomorrow. I think they will get this sweep. I said coming into this series, I was very confident they would win two out of three. And I just about predicted the sweep, if you go back and listen. So I thought coming in the Royals had a damn good chance of the sweep, and I still do. I think there's a pretty good chance they get it done tomorrow now that you win these first two games, especially if Cabrera is not in the lineup. You know, there's really only three guys you have to fear in that lineup. There's some nice hitters, but overall, there's three hitters you have to fear, and maybe Justin Upton, if he ever pulls his head out and decides to start playing baseball again, is a guy that you could, you know, in theory on paper, maybe have to fear at some point, but maybe it's just not going to happen for him this year. Maybe he's lost it. Who knows? But we will talk to you again soon on Clubhouse Conversation. That is it for this evening. Let's hope the Royals can get this done and then come home and take four against the Twins because that's where we're at at this point, right? You know? We're, they got to win the next five. Now, if I'll make you a deal. If the Royals win the next five games, we'll have a serious discussion about the postseason. Because if they win the next five, then it gives them a small, small margin for error. Right now, they have none. So <laughs> those are the expectations we have if you're thinking playoffs. And we'll talk to you again soon on Clubhouse Conversation.